we are in Acts 2. As I mentioned, we'll, uh, we're jumping ahead to verse 42 this morning, and we'll just read it. We're just reading a few short verses. It's, it's, some of you may have heard me preach on this before. It's not new, and that, that's the reason I hadn't, hadn't um, preached it originally when we jumped into the book of Acts, but I do think it's fitting for this morning, so I wanted to touch on it and uh, thought I would be able to keep it more brief, knowing that some of you have, have heard messages on this before. So let's read in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs being performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So I want to focus and highlight on that. Obviously, that is the model for our church, but it's not a model that the North American church typically follows. For one thing, we don't have church every day like they do. <laughs> they were not meeting in the temple courts or in the church building, if you will, uh, daily, and the Lord's not adding to our number daily, although he is adding to our number nice and slowly and steadily, steady growth. That's what I am thankful for. Um, but I, I, like I said, I want to continue this, this series and I want to continue the momentum of talking about the book of Acts because I do believe that as we look through the book of Acts, it is the model for our church. It's the, it's the way church is meant to be. And so I want to look at the, the primary actions of the first church. And the first primary action is that they were devoted. They were devoted, and we've touched on this a little bit before, I know, but bear with me as we as we go through it again. They were devoted. They devoted themselves, and that means that they were committed to it, and they were very serious about it. The Greek word there is proskartereo, and that word is often translated as to be earnest to words. Obviously, it's generally translated as to be devoted to. It's translated to persevere. Or perhaps the best translation or most most literal translation I came across is to be constantly diligent to words. And so if you want to substitute those words in, well, what were they devoted to? Well, they were constantly diligent about fellowship. They were constantly diligent about the breaking of bread. They were constantly diligent about the apostles' teaching, and they were constantly diligent in their prayer, and they were committed to them, and they were incredibly important. In other words, the, the early church wasn't just pursuing these things as they had time. These things were a prime priority for the early church. They were the most important part. Everything else, including jobs, careers, family, took second place to that prime directive, that most important thing, the most important thing they could think of, which was devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They were committed to it. So what were they devoted to? Well, the first thing they were devoted to was the apostles' teaching, the word of God for us. They did not have the New Testament at that time. It was still being written, <laughs> literally, right before their eyes. They were hearing the New Testament being read in their churches, not this church specifically necessarily, but they were hearing these letters from Paul and from Peter and from others. James and other, other New Testament authors were penning these letters to the early church and they were experiencing for the very first time hearing the word of God, which was penned down, which ended up being our, our, our Bible, our scripture. 
Well, what they devoted themselves to for us, as we apply that to our lives, is they devoted themselves to this. They were committed to learning and, and growing and listening and being obedient to God. And so there's a twofold application here. One, obviously, is that I believe we should learn from the teaching of those in leadership. We need to grow and be devoted to growth and obedience to those in leadership. I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about those around us who we respect and look up to in the faith. We're called to listen to them and grow. But more importantly for us in the 21st century, this means devoting ourselves to the Bible. We need to be wholly committed, devoted to the Word of God. That's why we call them devotions. That's why we have a devotional in our, in our AGM minutes. I don't know if you knew that. It's, it's mandated in our church bylaws. When you read our church bylaws, in the agenda, one of the agenda items has to be by law, according to our bylaws, has to be a devotional. Why is that? We have a church service before. Well, we need to be modeling for ourselves the importance and significance of being devoted to the Word of God, and therefore we will take time to look at Scripture once again together. The second thing they devoted themselves to was fellowship. Now let me point out that their fellowship was not just gathering together for a meal, although that was part of it. See, it's easy to go through the motions of getting together for a meal without actually doing the hard work of fellowship. Because fellowship is not coffee and tea, it's not meals together, it's not just potlucks. Those are aspects of genuine biblical fellowship, but they are not the whole of genuine biblical fellowship. True fellowship is really about love. It's about sharing our time together, sharing our resources together. When you see fellowship, you see it lived out. When you jump ahead to verse 44 and 45, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They made willful choices and sacrifices to help those who were needy in their community. Why? Because they were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to everyone's greater good in the group. They were committed to it. They took it incredibly seriously. At the expense of their own wealth, they took it very seriously. At the expense of their own wealth and their own time and their own resources, they cared for those around them and loved them with a real and practical love of meeting their needs. Fellowship was a much deeper commitment than sharing 10 minutes over a hot drink. Fellowship meant sharing everything. And they were committed to it. They were devoted to it. They were constantly diligent about true fellowship. Thirdly, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They committed themselves to doing communion. They were committed to breaking bread together as a meal. And in doing so, they were committed to the Lord's Supper and upholding are upholding our end of the promise to continue to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and then beyond till his second coming to proclaim his death and resurrection until he comes. We are called as believers and Christians to be committed to communion together. Communion is more than just going through the motions of eating a small piece of bread from the same loaf and drinking a cup that was poured out of a Welch's grape juice container. <laughs> it's much more than going through the motions of just uh, you know, doing this religious ritual. It's about 
impacting our entire lives. And so if it's about impacting our entire lives, when we take communion, we commit then to say, when we say we do this in remembrance of Christ, that we remember, yes, my Lord and Savior died for me on the cross. His blood was shed for me that I might have eternal life. We need to be devoted to living out communion, not just doing it by, because we are used to doing it, but living it out where it impacts us. It changes us. It influences the way we think on Monday morning and on Sunday evening and on Wednesday evening and so on and so forth. Lastly, and certainly not least, they devoted themselves to prayer. It should come as no surprise to us that the early church was devoted to prayer. After all, when you read the very first part of chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, if you just read the first verse, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came up from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They, weren't, they were gathered together in one accord, and they were praying. They were committed to gathering together, and they were praying. Should come as no surprise to us that the early church was devoted to prayer. They were committed to it. They 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 expanded. Sorry, they expended their resources, that their time, energy, and money, on prayer. It's obvious to me that we need to be committed to prayer, and I think as a church we can still grow in this area. I would love to see a day when our our prayer meetings are as attended as our church meetings. Would love to be so fervent in our prayer life that it spills over into Sunday mornings instead of Sunday mornings needing to fill our prayer times. Does that make sense? That we are so committed to prayer and the Word of God that we're so devoted to it, to it that we we're not needing Sunday mornings to feed ourselves spiritually to get filled up with the Holy Spirit and go out on Monday but rather just the opposite, that when we are so committed to our prayer life at home, we're so committed to our devotional life, we're in the Word of God, that we come on Sunday morning not hungering and thirsting because we're desperate for a spiritual meal, but overflowing with the Spirit, overflowing in our prayer life, ready to pray for one another, excited to, to share a scripture that we have received from the Lord that past week. That Sunday becomes an overflow of what God is doing in our lives instead of the infilling of what God needs to do in our lives. That we are coming to church full of the Spirit already instead of coming to church needing to be filled. It's good. It's, it's good to come to church and want the Holy Spirit to work. It's good to want to hear from the Lord on Sunday morning. I'm not condemning that. I'm just hungering for more. I, I would love to see our church grow and our commitment to prayer the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to fellowship. So continuing on, what else did they do? Well, they, it says in verse 44 and 45 that they had everything in common. They willfully committed themselves, not to socialism per se, but to willfully deciding out of their wealth to help those who had less. Not forced into it but joyfully deciding to do it because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Now, some of them gave everything. Some of them sold out of their excess, sold property. And this is, this is uh, you know, this is 
above and beyond. That's why it's mentioned specifically in Scripture. It's not, not everyone was called to do that, but there were those who, who, were, who were called to, and Barnabas in Acts 4 is one of them. He sold some property, and some scholars suggest that this, the fact that this is singled out means it's not a common practice, but it's actually something exceptional. In other words, not everyone was being asked to sell all their homes and property and, and give everything they had to the poor, but there are those who are called to do that. And when everyone is obedient to the word of God, we have what Bible, the Bible calls koinonia in Greek. Koinonia is the Greek word for fellowship, and we call it fellowship because we, we don't have a better word for it, and we don't have a real English translation of that word. What I mean by that is we don't have the full understanding of what koinonia means other than when we see it lived out here, it demonstrates for us what koinonia is, what fellowship it truly is. And that word koinonia, it's, um, it, it, the, the more literal translation would be contribution for the benefit of all and then distribution. Contribution, giving, and distribution, gi giving to, to those who have need. Uh, but it's again, it's so much more than that. It goes much deeper than that. I don't want to ex expound on it much further than that. But the way that that grows, the way that we actually do that in in reality, the way that we live that out in practical ways as a Christian church has to grow out of our devotion to fellowship. The, our devotion to fellowship grows into meeting people's needs and caring for one another because when we spend time together, when we're committed to the fellowship, when we're committed to gathering together and spending time together, when we're committed to loving one another, like Scripture tells us to, to love one another as we love ourselves, when the Word of God tells us that greater love has no one than this, that He lay down His life for His friends, and then Jesus tells us to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. When Scripture tells us that, if we're really living that out in fullness, growing in that, it means we're committed to one another. We are committed to the best interests of those who are part of this congregation, part of the body of Christ. Because if we are a body together, then we either rise together or we fail together. And as a church congregation, we need to be watching out for what's best for the body of Christ and not just what's best for ourselves. Love has to be shown and not just told. It's meant to be an action for us. Agape love is not just a brotherly love, not just a nice um, romantic love, but agape, sacrificial love, costs us something. And it's a very base level, it costs us the time in investing into a relationship. And at its grandest level, it leads us to lay down our lives for people, every part of our lives. God is continually calling us into deeper and deeper love, first with him, primarily with him, because we're told to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. And the second greatest commandment is like it, to love your neighbor like you love yourself. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave us. And he tells us the entire law and the prophets, the whole Old Testament, hangs on these two commandments. If we can fulfill those two commandments, we will fulfill the law like Jesus did. 
We have to show one another love. And that's why having coffee together is important. I love our fellowship times after church. I don't know if you knew this, but when you go to another church, it's not generally like that. Some churches are like that. But our church is in the minority of churches who primarily, generally, almost everybody stays behind and visits after the church service. That doesn't happen everywhere. We're blessed to have that. We're blessed to have a community of believers that loves each other enough to spend time together. Because you know what? Most churches, when you go down, you know, bigger churches, you go down to the lower mainland or you go to the bigger city of Kamloops or even other places, people have enough time to give for the church service. But beyond that, I've got things to do and I've got places to go. And so when 12 o'clock hits, it's time to go. Church is over. I'm, I'm headed home or I'm headed to the brunch bar or wherever people are headed. But they are, they're not necessarily spending time together. But if that's where our fellowship stops, we're falling drastically short of the high calling that God has called us to. We are the 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 fellowship and drinking coffee and having goodies together and having potlucks once a month is meant to grow our genuine love and actions of love, actions of sacrifice together so that we'll be living out what the Bible tells us to live out. That's what fellowship is all about. Really, it's about helping those in need, that koinonia, that the distribution of, of the excess, of, of generous contributions from those who have more to those who have less. That grows because we love one another, not because we're forced to or we feel obligated to, but rather because we, we see a need and desire to fill it because that's the way God has called us to be. Lastly, continue on, you can see that the early church has incredible unity. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So not only were they going to church together, but then after church, church, if you will, they were meeting together in the temple courts. It says, they also broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Meaning that after church, they still wanted to spend time together. After having gone to church every single day. I love that. I love that because they are so committed to, to doing what God has called them to do and being obedient and so committed to one another that they can't spend enough time together. They love each other, truly love each other. Here we see the people meeting in two different ways. That One, in modern terms, they're going to church together daily. And secondly, they were spending time in one another's homes. They were just getting together out of friendship and love. We need to ask ourselves if that's something we need to grow in, if that's something we can expand upon in our lives to love each other in real and practical ways. Sometimes it's very loving to invite someone over for a meal. I'm, I'm not asking you to invite me over for dinner. I already have more than enough food. <laughs> this is not my hint to you or anything like that. I'm only wanting to point out, and I understand that it's difficult sometimes. We have busy schedules. We live far apart sometimes. We, you know, we have lives and families and commitments i understand i'm not it's a different time and a different culture that's okay but that doesn't preclude us from doing what god tells us to do from god telling us what will be successful showing us by demonstration how he wants our church to live and to grow if all the parts of the body are working together and being obedient to the head that is jesus christ the body obviously will be successful and grow all, all of those parts working together, I think of a body that is not listening to the head. Obviously, that's not 
It's a spasmodic body. That's a body that it will not function well if it's unable to listen to and communicate with the head. Likewise, if all the body parts are working against one another, the body will fail as well. But we're called to work in unity together. That's part of what I love about camp. We're obviously going to talk a little bit about camp today. We have plans for camp. We'll talk about camp from last year as well. And what I love about camp is it it's the time when I think our church most accurately lives up to the biblical definition of church and fellowship. We're meeting together daily. We're eating together daily. We have glad and sincere hearts, except for when we're grumpy <laughs> and we falter and t- we're tired. And as long as we have coffee, we get along. <laughs> Camp is this functioning of the body that is kind of on overdrive, that is really a body that's exercising and running and getting out there and, and doing the work of God, which is why we all need a break afterwards and we're tired, just like physical exercise for the human body. True unity grows out of that common purpose, which is to reach children and teens with the love of Jesus and change their lives forever, to make them followers of Jesus Christ for the rest of their lives. That common purpose and goal drives us in unity together so that everyone is sacrificing time and money and energy and sleep and every part of their lives because we think it's so important that we give up a great deal for the sake of the kingdom of God. And if we operated like that year-round, yes, we would be completely exhausted. There are times for everything under the sun, as Ecclesiastes tells us. But if we function more like that year-round in unity together and in fellowship together, I believe we will see our church grow more like that, like camp. We'll see people turning to Christ more frequently. And so I, I believe, obviously, I believe the church is, needs to grow in unity, not because we're doing poorly at it, but rather because we're doing well at it. We want to focus on our strengths. We want to focus on the strength of fellowship in our church and continue to grow in it. Again, none of, none of this is particularly new stuff, but the important reminder, rather, for us to be devoted to the things God wants us to be devoted to, to commit ourselves to the things that are important to God. We want them to be important to us. And so as as a church and as a body, the Lord wants us to focus and be devoted to the Word of God. He wants us to be committed to fellowship. He wants us to be completely um, obsessed with breaking of bread, with communion together, and living out what that means, which is a life that remembers what Christ did for us, a life that remembers the sacrifice that he made and therefore also is willing to sacrifice and lay down our lives and take up our cross daily and follow him, and a church that's committed, that is solely focused, most importantly, I believe, on prayer, that is sold out in prayer, that is completely committed, that expends time, resources, and energy energy towards prayer. That we devote ourselves to these things, that we have everything in common together. Not that we all like the same things, that's not what it's talking about, but rather that we fellowship and meet one another's needs and work together in unity. I think we'll also see people added to our church. I'd love to see it daily. I, I don't think that's impossible for God. 
But I believe that we need to be committed to these things just as God has told us to do. So let's pray.